Hello. Hey, today. You're not Colleen. <laughs> I'm not. You're Queen Ray of House Gatsby, coming to us all the way from Norway. All the way from Norway. It's not that far, though, because Colleen is usually <laughs> further away from you. <laughs> this is me waving at you from across the Kattegat. Hello. Hello. <laughs> and I mean, a famous Norwegian guy, which I don't remember the name, actually rode across at one point to get food for his family. So it's... T-I-L. You know, the story we tell about people crossing the um, the, the little ocean connecting us here in the Scandinavia um, is that the Swedes once, when the water was frozen, they walked across and attacked Denmark. So to this day, it is legal um, if Swedes walk across the water when it's frozen to hit them with sticks. I mean... That's what you got to do when the Swedes walk across <laughs> the ocean <laughs> on the ice. Well, I have already learned so much, um, but I am excited to talk to you today because we're going to talk about something that I think sometimes people are kind of nervous about um, and interested in doing, which is getting into speaking, yes. which is something that both of us have kind of done over the past five, six years or so. I think we started speaking around the same time. With... Oh, I had a round before that. Oh, did you? So, yeah, okay. I was speaking. Oh, my. Oh, my. When was that? When I was straight out of uh, university or I guess like a year after. So that must have been like 2012, 2013. I'll see if I can find. I think some of them are recorded. We could put that in the description if we can find some like baby Benedicta talking <laughs> on the big stage. <laughs> okay. I didn't know that. So, so and, 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 and I guess some context on you. So you're a developer. Um, these days you are mostly focusing on Gatsby JS, is that right? But you kind of, you also have a portfolio of products, but also projects. So you kind of do a mix of having your own SaaS and you also do client work, but then you also like build in public to the extent you can on that client work as well. Yes. So that's where it's now coming together. Cause I realized, I guess a year ago, so that. I needed to kind of niche niche down, which is the famous thing. Like, I need to niche on something because I need a little bit of direction other than just being a developer who just wants, you know, to test all the cool stuff like all the developers do. And I had been using Gatsby for most of my personal projects, so I decided to kind of focus on that and started writing daily emails and doing weekly streamings. I'd done some streaming on my SaaS before, and then we kind of repackaged the whole thing into a weekly stream that we called the unauthorized and rum-fueled treasure hunts around the Gatsby Islands. So we've been doing that for... <laughs> Is it a year and a half now? <laughs> so we have a pirate theme going. So I'm the queen and then my partner is the captain and our daughter is the pirate princess, which she loves because she has to attend these streams because we do them, you know, at bedtime because that's when the states are awake. So we're trying to, you know, get both the European and the American audience with that time slot. So she's like in her pajamas doing projects and then she um, joins the beginning and the end of the stream. But anyway, uh, so yes, I was focusing on Gatsby and trying to kind of build back Gatsby authority and then really wanting to do maintenance I guess, and creation of Gatsby plugins was the idea. And we do have a client on that. So we're doing maintenance on Cloudinary's uh, Gatsby plugins. But then kind of through this work, I've seen because everybody comes to me for content because they see me streaming, they see me talking and they see me writing and they want content. But I have been very reluctant to become like a full time content creator 
because I see kind of the, I don't know, the treadmill they're on, like writing new articles, writing new articles and um, and all of that, that kind of stuff. And also they don't go that deep uh, often because it's mostly like beginner articles. See, now I'm rambling, but I'm, I'm going to wrap this up. Um, so I love creating products and seeing if I can make them into real life, like if I can make them happen. And now I realize that that is a thing that most of these companies need to be able to create content. So kind of where it's all coming together is I can have my SaaS and then I can also have a portfolio of products that I'm kind of sponsored to create. So they pay me to kind of use their product in my product and then I build in public and then they get code out of it, but then they can also get content out of it. And I can do some of that content, but it will be based on my work and not kind of like a surface level um, how to. So I think it's all coming together. So that's me. <laughs> so so interesting. So I mean, you are full-time self-employed. Yes. As a developer. And you have kind of this almost unintentionally diversified approach to your income, basically, that is part your own SaaS projects and part this sponsored projects you're doing and then also part client work. And I think the interesting thing about the speaking here is you're basically using streaming as effectively your your lead generation for all of that work is that right yes so i used to be like up until a year ago like most of our money came from doing just regular client work contracting where often i was a team of one where i did um, an application for the company i was consulting for contracting for we call it consulting in norway but it's contracting in english because i'm not like business consulting i'm like doing the work and kind of saved up money that way and then tried then over the last, I guess, year and a half to to kind of pivot to becoming a more of a separate authority so that I can do non-hourly projects. So that's kind of been the focus. And we're like starting to see that work now. So we, we've mentioned stuff about streaming and you mentioned sort of, you know, trying to become an authority in Gatsby. Mm-hmm. Can you like dive into that a little bit like how did you first start with what when 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 you decided that okay it would be better to become an authority in Gatsby so I can get basically better work doing that like how did that influence the the streaming and kind of content that you were creating around that it meant that instead of kind of being all over the board with my content it has to have something to do with Gatsby which kind of centers it. And I've always found that constraints can be very uh, liberating in a way, because then, you know, your options aren't limitless. Uh, But then I've ended up writing about things that are very, uh, you know, that is close, but not really Gatsby, but it's kind of speaking to people who would be interested in Gatsby content. Um, And that might shift a little bit forward now that I've realized that kind of what my authority is in is just like, building things or like prototyping out products and like launching them and having fun with them, maybe more than the Gatsby skill. But I try to center it around the technology because then you can also kind of piggyback off of the technology's notoriety and their marketing and all of that. And luckily for me, like right now, Gatsby is kind of in the doghouse and there are other frameworks that shall not be named, uh, who are who are kind of riding the marketing wave. But it's also, since I haven't jumped chipped, I'm also one of the few people who kind of do consistently put out 
pretty good Gatsby content. So in that way, like people who still need help with that and are still choosing that, like they can they can look to me. But I also seen like they really enjoy the streams where we create something often more than than the ones where we kind of just teach a Gatsby concept. So when I like forward, if we can combine those two more and have like a portfolio of products, like you said, where I'll keep on using Gatsby because that's what I really know. And I'm not interested at this moment to like jump technology ship for the notoriety, but I want to make different products. I want to test out all the services that I can integrate and Gatsby is a good integrator. So um, yeah, what was I saying? Yeah, so that's why I kind of just wanted to niche down on, on something just to focus my efforts a little bit more and like see what that kind of focus could uh, could lead to because I've been independent since 2010. Yes. So it's been quite a few years and kind of just being, I don't know if you have this expression in American, maybe in Danish, where you're the potato. Like I could do anything dev wise, like I'll make you an app in any technology. Just tell me which one. And then you're very interchangeable, right? So that's at some point, I guess it's, it's good to specialize if you want better projects. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, th th that makes sense though. And it's it's not necessarily that it's, that your, your calling in life is to uh, proclaim Gatsby JS, right? Like it's, this is something that you are good at, that there was kind of, you know, a wave going of, of, of attention towards it and not a lot of other people making content. And for now it's, it's working for you to, to niche down there. I'm curious, you, you mentioned earlier that, that you don't want to become a content creator and you don't like writing tutorials. Do you find it easier as a developer to do streaming or or videos rather than writing content i do but i don't know if that is a developer thing or if it's a <laughs> me thing because i'm quite good at talking it's been you know i've heard all my life that i need to talk less and listen more i read your book i'm trying <laughs> <laughs> um and also, like, all of my essays came back, you know, with red marks all over the place. And now people tell me that the writing, you know, is pretty good, but it's still so hard. Like, it's, 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 it's hard. And I find it easier if I have a project that I've created and I, like, speak from the project. And also, I'm quite reactive as a person. So I enjoy going on stream, doing things, saying things, and then be like, oh, I can write an email about that next week or like take take parts of what I've actually been doing or do every day. I think I would have a hard time being a full-time content creator without kind of coding projects to feed, to feed those kind of articles or feed those um, kind of things. And also being, I've been a developer for 20, years now with I don't know getting old um so you know I am a senior and I don't really kind of get a lot of challenge or I don't find it that interesting personally to write a lot of kind of the how to's that are just how to get started with this kind of like how to get started with technology X. Like I, I like to dig down and be like, how can we do this thing I've imagined with X? And then let's see if we can figure it out. And a lot of people respond to the bug fixing on stream. Like they really enjoy watching me figuring out what went wrong and like going through that thought process. And I think that is also interesting for beginners more than just like, this is how you do it when everything is perfect. Um, 
we're getting mm. off topic like how this no that makes to, sense like, though, talking yeah right yeah is like I, I think there's a there, there there's an inherent vulnerability in streaming right like if you're live on video it's not going to be as polished as a produced video but if you're especially if you're building something live for like people can see mistakes that you've made like if you make a typo um, oh, the audience so many sees typos. that, but now people people might be afraid. Like, oh my god, what if I make a typo? But the thing is, is if you're building something, you know, everybody loves to follow along with somebody who's building something, and they're cheering for you. But also, the audience gets to feel smart that they found it. But it does it doesn't decrease your credibility in any way. In fact, it 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 increases it, which is. I think somewhat surprising to people who are afraid of public speaking. Yes, it absolutely. And I was so afraid of streaming. It wasn't like, I don't know, I had this this thing, like I'd done speaking before. And as I said, I talked too much, but coding live was just, I was so afraid. And then um, some internet friends of mine were like, you should do streaming because I was trying to do polished, published videos on YouTube. If you go back on, on YouTube, like a year or two or something, you'll you'll find some videos that I've you know created and edited and done all of those things. And it's hard, like it takes a lot of time. And if you don't want to be an editor, like if you, you know, if you want to build, have time to build, then streaming is easier in a way because you don't have to do all that post work. So they were like, do it. And I even had like a prep conversation with them where they told me like do's and don'ts because they'd been streaming their game development for every Saturday for like years. And I was like, I was sweating. I was just, I was so, I don't know. I was, it was crazy how nervous I was. And I remember also thinking like, why am I so afraid? And if I'm this afraid, that's not going to be the reason I don't do it. Like if I don't like it, I'll stop. But I'm not going to let this fear stop me from doing it. And I did it and I loved it and I've been doing it ever since. So yeah, push through your fears and other things you can put on a poster. <laughs> <laughs> and the other thing about uh, streaming or video compared to content that I feel like is something that, that isn't really acknowledged very much from those of us who are native English speakers is that it is really difficult to create content in a foreign language, even if you are fluent in that foreign language, like writing in English and speaking in English, you know, those are two different levels, never mind, like writing at a technical level about something as well, just for, um, I've just noticed in the people I know that like there, there is a much, there's like a a much bigger hurdle to that, right? And maybe as you said, it's because, you know, you're used to from when you were in school, getting your papers marked back with all of this red text all over it, right? So like, there's not as much confidence or a feeling of uh, it feeling of it not being good enough, right? Which you may not have speaking. But I feel like people don't acknowledge enough just how much native English speakers have an advantage when it comes to I mean, not just coding and I mean, first, like coding in general, because it's all in English, but then second, creating content as well. And so it makes sense that that for you, it would be a lower hurdle to creating streaming or or speaking content Mm -hmm. because there isn't that kind, same kind of like, uh, I don't know, getting edited by the teacher kind of uh, old fear (laughs) that might come up to the surface. But I remember that I also in junior high school, I guess, I did have a fear of public speaking, which is also weird, like, because I am 
the person who was always told to to be quiet um or like quiet down well, maybe but that's I, I, why <laughs> maybe like maybe like who knows like, <laughs> let's let's leave that to the shrink but i remember just being very and i think it's something about being when you've prepared and i still have this for speaking because you it's not the same with streaming it's more kind of just really live live while a talk is still supposed to be prepared so you're kind of prepared it and you give it to the world and you're like you know, I put thought and effort into this and I'm giving this to you now and you might hate it. While if you just kind of talk at a party, it's like it's not like something I prepared. Like I didn't I can always hide behind just like, well, that was my you know, spur of the moment thoughts or whatever. Um, so I really had a fear of that. And um, I had a teacher who pushed me through it and it really helped. And then on the English notice that I went to the States as an exchange student when I was 15 to 16. And my English teacher there was like brilliant. And the American school system, uh, which probably has flaws like all school systems, um, but the way they thought language or English, I guess, in in this school was totally different from what how I was taught Norwegian. Like it was a lot more emphasis on content we had to give the essays to another student to get it kind of proofread so much closer to what you would do at work, right? You never, like, you get stuff proofread. And I also remember when we had presentation, there was this whole, like, scoring system. It's like, you know, content, uh, kind of appearances, um, confidence, like, different things that were scored. And that made me realize, like, this is a learnable skill. <laughs> While I felt like a lot of my Norwegian teaching was like, are, you know, are you stupid? Like, this should just be inherent knowledge, like how you write and speak your native language. But I saw that the American kids weren't taught English in the same way. Um, so that kind of gave me kind of the next boost, I guess, in public speaking. And then I was pushed by the first company I worked for to be more of a... No, I also did some university speaking. So I guess I've been taught like a lot along the way, and I kind of forget that I actually learned a lot more. And now it just feels more inherent or like an inherent skill. <laughs> so, I mean, it sounds like you had two really important teachers there in school who helped you overcome your fear of public speaking, which uh, I feel like teachers never get enough love. So it's nice to see two uh, shout outs to great teachers there and their role in that. And you had encouragement through college. I'm curious when it came to speaking uh, on streaming, you said you initially had a big fear there. And I'm curious, was there anyone else in your life who helped you overcome that voice of fear within you as you were thinking about doing streaming the first time? Not really for other than the, 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 the people who've told me to do it, which is snooty HQ on Twitter. Um, they do game dev streaming. So they were really the ones that pushed me into streaming. And then later on, um, when we started with the rum fueled shows, that's when, and a whole queen personality that comes from my partner, Ula, who is a lot more playful than I am. And he kind of created the queen personality for me, kind of based on that I'm, you know, not the best listener and all of those things. And also, because <laughs> uh, as queen, you can like, you're allowed to be a little over the top and not humble. <laughs> <laughs> and, and just like, you know, I can put on that personality in a way and people can then expect more queen-like behavior um, instead of trying to kind of fit more into the, to like how, at least the discourse on, on internet, like how we always have to be, you know, 
all of those things I'm not that good at, <laughs> if that it, makes I, sense. I, I but like it gives I'm, me space. Yeah. I feel like what I'm hearing here for people who have thought like, hey, it would be cool to get up on stage or I would I would love to be able to do um, a talk, right, is that if first of all, it's normal to have a fear of that, even if you are someone who is chatty. But even if you're not, um, it's it's normal to have a fear of public speaking. And also that if you have that fear, tell a, you know, your uh, most supportive friend or or partner or whomever that is that you're thinking about it. And it sounds like getting to talk that through with them or getting some encouragement from them could help you over that hurdle. Absolutely. And also for me coming back to speaking, which is when you said like we spoke around the same time, I went to um, Diversity CFP Day, which is call for it's called call for proposals cfp yes is what the conference has put out and then you kind of answer that with a brief of the talk that you want to give and then to encourage more diverse speakers there is something called the global diversity cfp day i think it's correct we'll put correct links i guess in the description <laughs> and i went to that i hadn't been speaking for a really long time and i went to that and that kind of kick-started me um on, on the speaking again, because they gave some good advice on like how to come up with speaking topics. And also they did one of the hardest things is that they'll help you write your bio, which is like, sounds ridiculous, but like that is the hardest part sometimes about making these CFPs. It's like, you have to write a par paragraph of nice things about yourself that explain why you should be speaking on the topic. So they help you with that. And it was just like a good encouraging group. So I really recommend if you have that in your, um, in your city that you attend one of these, I think it's in January and, and go to that and like see what they have to say and keep in touch with some of those people because the CFPs come out, I think like late, usually late spring. And that's when you want to send in and you send it in to like 10 places. And then you see who says yes. And then you do what all new speakers do. You say, and then you get accepted to too many. You go to too many, you get exhausted. Do they? And you never want because to speak again. <laughs> the word CFP reminds me of getting rejected from tons of conferences. <laughs> okay. So I mean, this might like, this might surprise CF people, right? Yeah. But like, I have had so many talk proposals rejected and yes. I think quite frankly, most of those were actually before I wrote my book, mm -hmm. which I guess that's something that kind of is also, you know, between, between our experiences with speaking is that you do a lot of speaking, but your streaming seems to really feed that, right? It like your your kind of build in public or like doing things in public in a very tangible way really helps your speaking resume, even if it's just going to speak at a meetup, which is also a great thing to have on your speaking resume and a great place to start. Mm -hmm. um, but also like my talk proposals didn't start getting accepted, never mind actually really getting uh invites like it was really until after I wrote my book like um you know I spoke at, at Laracon in 2017 which like thank you Taylor Otwell for taking a risk on us um for doing that but then it was it was pretty dry for a while after that until I wrote my book and I think I think kind of doing like stuff like that on, on on Twitter you know you start to feel that like hey, like if I do this and I share it with people as I'm doing it, whether that's streaming or writing or, or whatnot, 
like people are going to be encouraging and they want to hear about it. And then that's when, you know, invitations start coming. Mm -hmm. So I haven't been invited yet. Or I think maybe oh. they were going to invite me to Jams.conf, but I sent in my CFP or my my proposal before they they got the chance. So I think it works a little bit differently in, in dev conferences. Usually dev conferences are community organized. Some of them are for, for profit, but most of them are not. And they often want to hear from new voices and they often want a wide variety of kind of topics but still it's very niche down to to a, you know to technologies like there's javascript conferences and you talk about javascript and they've they've branched out and you have more of kind of the the other types of skills talking about communication and talking about selling and marketing and, and there's there's some branching out on topics but if you want to get into one of these and i think those are more invited in a way, or you need to have like a name. But if you talk about technology or a specific concept that has to do with de development, then it's more how you kind of phrase your title and your little blurb about what your talk is going to be about. And and as a beginner, you can make those a little spicy. And I guess why I got you know invited <laughs> to a lot of them was like privacy first period tracker. Is it even possible? Question mark, question mark. And, you know, it's on a, you know, you know, female health on a dev conference. I'm a female speaker. And it's also about encryption and privacy. So you're hitting like the trifecta of like cool technology and diversity. And that's probably why I got accepted to a lot of conference. I got as many rejections as I got exception, except acceptance, but acceptances, um, yeah. yeah, acceptances, but it ended up being like four talks, four talks, I guess, or five that fall. And that if you're not a dev girl getting paid to do that, that's, a little bit hard <laughs> you, you get a little um tired but what i also learned from this and that i learned at the glow or i guess learned by looking at the conferences because i thought for a long while you needed to have a new talk for every conference but you don't you can do the same talk over and over and over again um, because talks are hard to make and um you need to do you know deliver it more than once or twice to make it worth it yeah, and then you get better at it too each time mm -hmm. that you give it. But yeah, that's helpful that that you can you can have one talk that you give. If you make it a little bit spicy, as you said, with uh, <laughs> you know be between the technology and 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 a topic. Um, I mean, even even as a as a non diverse speaker, right? Like that that is something that people love. Also, I mean, coding live. Like I I was speaking at Full Stack Europe a couple weeks ago. And um, there were two live coding um, talks, one from Aaron Francis, Colleen's co-founder. And like people love that. Like people absolutely oh, yeah. love a live so, coding talk, though. That that takes that takes serious cojones to do that. Like <laughs> I didn't do that back in 2019 when I did my first kind of speaker tour because that was pre-streaming. Um, and I think that's a little bit what started the streaming too, because I've seen people live code and I was like, I can never do that. And that's the thing that I've started to do. It's like starting to question, like, why could I never do that? Um, or often, like getting personal here, often it's like, I have stupid people always have to live code. Like if I hear that thought in my head, then it's like, you're jealous. 
Like, you don't mean that. You're just jealous that you're not doing it or you can't do it or you won't do it or you fear that you're doing it. You're not doing it uh, or for to do it. So that's when I'm like, but why? And then push myself to do that thing and then see if I enjoy it. Because some things you push yourself to do and you don't enjoy it. And other times you push yourself to do it and you enjoy it and you can keep doing it. And live coding, obviously all the weird petty thoughts I had around live coding was just because I really wanted to do it. <laughs> so... I guess to kind of wrap us up here. Um, I hope that was you helpful. Get... Hit me up on Twitter if you, if you want to know more. <laughs> um, if you were to give advice to somebody who is thinking about getting into public speaking, what, what advice would you give them? I think you had a really good advice about maybe starting at a local meetup because it's often not recorded or publicized kind of live streamed online so you know if you do have some fairs it might be kind of easier to do that in front of people you might know and also that you know that it's not going to be uh, recorded forever and ever um on on the internet so if you bomb which you probably won't but like that's usually what i tell myself like if you bomb what's the worst thing that can happen then i'm like okay i'll do it because that's not that bad so a meetup is a good way to start and also maybe start with like a 10 minute talk um, usually called a lighting talk because it's just shorter and easier to practice. You can practice it several times if you are a person who would like to practice. I'm not that good at the practicing part. Um, that's why I do live streaming mostly <laughs> now these days. Um, and then the second one is to go to Global CFP Day if you are in the development space, developer space, because that is a really good um, way to get started and find people to workshop ideas and um, again, your bio. And then it's just to send it to all of these conferences. And here's the tip though, you don't complete your talk before sending them off because you might get rejected. Like maybe nobody enjoyed your ID. Like I sent two different IDs to all of the conferences in 2019 and only one was picked up. So you don't want to like make the whole presentation and all that work and then not have anywhere to give it. Um, yeah. So. And I guess people could also test out a topic on Twitter by streaming it, right? Actually, yes. where do you stream yours? Like what, what platform do you use and whatnot? I stream to YouTube just because I am old and I could not <laughs> wrap my head around another uh, platform. So I stream to YouTube. Same reason I don't do TikToks. <laughs> like I, I'm, I'm not signing up for anymore. So you don't have to use anything fancy. It doesn't have to be Twitch or TikTok or whatever. Just good old YouTube. Good old YouTube. I use something called StreamYard, which is really easy to get started with because that's another thing. I don't do the fancy LED lights and the thingies and the commands and the like there there is there are different styles of streaming and it's easy to kind of I get discouraged when you see some of the kind of hotshot streamers who've been doing it for a really long time and are really into hardware because they do all of this like crazy setup. I try to, you know, our our thing is much more approachable approachable and playful um, and I would just go to StreamYard we start streaming I think you can even now with StreamYard you don't even have to stream anywhere you can give people a StreamYard link and they can just see it um, kind of on their platform so it's not kind of public public you can just invite some people if you want to test it out I'll be your first stream viewer it's really good to have a viewer so if you want to get into streaming let me know when and I'll be in the comments and uh, cheering you on well, there we have it, I guess. Your 
streaming doesn't have to be perfect don't have to have all the lights all the equipment you don't even have to have a viewer because Benedicta will be your first viewer I will be your first viewer and you will probably have no viewers for quite some time other than the two <laughs> people you invite <laughs> you know when when Pauline and I started this podcast we were like it's gonna be like our husbands and then like two of our friends listening to it like are we sure we want to do this and we're like yeah we'll give it a try right you know there was nobody nobody really listening in the beginning and now look at us right look at I think but I think yeah. if it gives you energy so that's what I've tried and I guess that's also for indie hacking like there's so many advice like you have to do marketing this way or you have to do things you know a specific way but if you find some kind of marketing tactic that works and gives you energy do more of that and just like not do the marketing things that are draining you if you don't have to and it's the same thing with the streaming like what you know if the lead lights give you energy you know spend time setting them up but they that hardware is not my thing um and streaming gives me energy so even if i need one audience member though because i need like that connect or, like i need somebody in the i've had streaming with nobody in it and it's i don't know it's it's different but i always go away feeling energized and it's the same thing with my podcast with benedict i don't even know how many people i'm not even logged in i don't know what our analytics look like but going out of the podcasting, like, I feel better. I feel energized. And I think we can make those kinds of choices where we can say no to things that are smart to do, but, like, are not our thing. Um, but you can't say no to everything. Like, you need to do your accounting, you know. But uh. <laughs> Yeah. But I, I, will, I will double underscore highlight bold that. When it comes to marketing, find the things that give you energy and do those. You know, it's worth trying everything once, right? But people have tons of advice. Most people are just giving advice based on things that have worked in, in their own experience. And if something does not give you energy when it comes to marketing or product development, you don't have to do it. You do have to comply with tax law, unfortunately, but thankfully we can we can hire people to do that for us. Um, Luckily, but you know, find the things that give you energy, right? Mm. I think that's that's the the big message for not just for public speaking or for marketing, but it's really for I mean, being being indie in the first place is we get the choice of doing what gives us energy and and going in those directions and. You don't have to force fit yourself into, you know, writing uh, intro tutorials if that's really not your jam, right? You can you can find other things and just try it once. It might fail. Fine. Move on to something else. And then question yourself, are you is it fair or do you or do you think you're actually not going to like it? If you haven't tried it, you can't mm. really say that you're not going to like it because there are introverts who love streaming there are introverts who love speaking but they might have you know sat down and told themselves like i will never like that for me it's been different people have told me you sh you would like that and turned out they were right um but <laughs> but like that there you might not know like there's other things that i thought oh now i don't have an example but there are other things i've thought i would like and like made a whole project around it and then went did it and did not like it <laughs> so <laughs> Test, test it out once at least before you put it on the shelf. Absolutely. Test and learn and follow your energy. <laughs> yes. Um, 
And so with that, um, and talking about how nobody listened to this podcast except for our dear uh, beloved husbands, it makes it sound like they are dead, our wonderful husbands, um, I want to give a huge thanks to all of our listeners who've become software socialites and support our show. You can become a supporter for $100 a year at softwaresocial.dev slash supporters. Chris from Tripper CI, the daringly handsome Kevin Griffin, and Mike from Gently Used Domains, who has a nice personality, Dave from Recut, Max of Online or Not, Stefan from Talk to Stefan, Brendan Andrade of Brightbits, Team Tuple, Alex Hillman from The Tiny MBA, Remy from Hovercode and Rocket Gems, Jane and Benedict from UserList, Kendall Morgan, yeah, that's your Benedict, uh, Ruben Gomez of Signwell, Corey Haynes of Swipewell, Mike Wade of CrowdSentry, Nate Ritter of RoomSteals, Anna Mast of SubscribeSense, Jeff Roberts from Outsetti, also a good person, Sorry. <laughs> Justin also a Jackson good person. from Mega Maker, which by the way, you were saying you guys, you guys, you guys use a ad read. Sorry. <laughs> You guys, actually, your podcasting platform is somebody from Mega Maker, right? Yes. And Jeff from Outsera will be a guest on our show next week. And he's also a former client. Oh, there we go. There you um, go. Jack Ellis and Paul Jarvis from Fathom Analytics. Matthew from Appointment Reminder. Andrew Culver at Bullet Train. John Coster. Alex of Corso Systems. Richard from Stunning. Josh, the annoyingly pragmatic founder. Ben from Consent Kit. John from Credo and Editor Ninja. Cam Sloan, Michael Copper of Nusi Proposals, Chris from URL Box, Kaylee of Toslet, Greg Park from Trait Lab, Adam from Rails Autoscale, Lena and Alex from Recapsy, Joe Mazzalotti of RailsDevs.com, Proud Mama of Opplenet LLC, Anna from Cradle, Montsef from Ruby on Mac, Steve of Be Inclusive, Simon Bennett of Snapshooter Backups, Josh Smith of KeyHero.io, Jesper Christensen of Form Backend, Matthew of Works Cited, Chris of JetBoost.io, Daryl Shannon of Docomatic, Larabels, the community for women, non-binary, and trans Laravel developers, Arvid Call, James Sowers from Castaway.fm, Jessica Malnick, Damian Moore of Audio Audit Podcast Checker, Eldon from Nodal Studios, and Mitchell Davis from RecruitKit. Thank you so much, everyone. And thank you, Benedicta. So, Benedicta, if people want to watch your streams, if they want to find out about your projects, if they want to see some of your speaking, uh, where should they go? So, you can head on over to queen.ray.codes, which is my website. There's links to everything, or just search for Queen Ray on YouTube. And I just want to say I knew a lot more of those people and wanted to say, like, yay, but I felt like I shouldn't <laughs> be disrupting the ad read more. <laughs> All right. Well, with that, thank you so much for coming on today. It has been a delight. It was fun. Thank you so much. Huge thanks to all of our listeners who've become software socialites and support our show. Chris from Chipper CI, the daringly handsome Kevin Griffin, and Mike from Gently Used Domains, who has a nice personality. Dave from Recut, Max of Online or Not, Stefan from Talk to Stefan, Brendan Andrade of Brightbits, Team Tuple, Alex Hillman from the Tiny MBA. Rami from Hovercode and Rocket Gems, Jane and Benedict from UserList, Kendall Morgan, Ruben Gomez of Signwell, Corey Haynes of Swipewell, Mike Wade of CrowdSentry, Nate Ritter of RoomSteals, Anna Mast of SubscribeSense, Jeff Roberts from Outsetta, Justin Jackson, MegaMaker, Jack Ellis and Paul Jarvis from Fathom Analytics, Matthew from Appointment Reminder, Andrew Culver at Bullet Train, John Coster, Alex of Corso Systems, Richard from Stunning, Josh, the annoyingly pragmatic founder, Ben from ConsentKit, 
John from Credo and Editor Ninja, Cam Sloan, Michael Copper of Nusi Proposals, Chris from URL Box, Callie of Toslet, Greg Park from Trait Lab, Adam from Rails Autoscale, Lana and Alex from Recapsi, Joe Mazzalotti of RailsDevs.com, Proud Mama from Applenet LLC, Anna from Cradle, Monsef from Ruby on Mac, Steve of Be Inclusive, Simon Bennett of Snapshooter Backups, Josh Smith of Keyhero.io, Jesper Christensen of Form Backend, Matthew of Workcited, Chris of JetBoost.io, Daryl Shannon of Docomatic, Larabels, a community for Larabel developers underrepresented due to their gender, Brendan from Feederloop, Pascal from Sharpen.page, Lynn Romick from Convini, Arvid Call, James Sowers from Castaway.fm, Jessica Malnick, Damian Moore of Audio Audit Podcast Checker, Eldon from Nodal Studios, Mitchell Davis from RecruitKit.